This morning, I want to I want to continue on the verses that we looked at last week. Last week, uh, we spent some time talking about the cup of the new covenant, and and you know, I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing. A lot of times in our brains, we kind of compartmentalize the moments in Scripture. So we think about these verses that I read last week that I'll read again this week, and and we've got this picture in our mind, but honestly, there is context to these words as we read them. And I want to look a little bit at the context, but but before I do, um, oops, you got ahead of me now. All right, here we are. Matthew chapter 26, we looked at these words last week because we talked about the cup of the new covenant and what the new covenant was and the, the promise that we were making before God. This week, I want to read these same verses. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. Someone said, Pastor, you forgot to put the table out because the only time you read these verses is when we do communion. We're not doing communion today. You're okay. When he, so he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And I believe in these verses, Jesus is setting a pattern or a, a way for us, his children, to follow. So twice, what does Jesus do? Twice, it says he took bread and he did what? He gave thanks. Right? And then he took a cup and he did what? He gave thanks. And, and so when we take the, the Last Supper and we put it in this little bubble of the picture that we see with Jesus sitting with his disciples, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal that Jesus gave thanks. It doesn't seem like it's that much to learn from that Jesus gave thanks. But if you look at the book of Matthew, chapter 26, and you look at what happened immediately before this and immediately after this, there's something profound that Jesus gave thanks. So what happened right before this in Matthew 26? Matthew 26, Jesus is at this table, and he says this weird thing. Whoever dips their hand in the bowl with me, they're going to betray me. Now, we've all had an awkward Thanksgiving meal where Aunt so-and-so and Uncle so-and-so were fighting, and that tension was obvious in the room. Can you imagine the awkwardness in the room that happened when Jesus started revealing that Judas was going to betray him? One of the twelve that had spent the last three years with Jesus, one of the twelve that had been walking with, I'm sure he was friends with the other disciples. They were in line with him. They had dined together. They had, they had done life together. And all of a sudden, there's got to be this majorly awkward moment. Like, Judas is going to betray me. He gets up, runs off, and everyone's just staring at each other like, what just happened? This is weird. Not what I was expecting. And then Jesus takes bread and he does what? He gives thanks. Come on now. Who thinks Jesus should have explained what was going on with Judas? Who thinks Jesus should have told the disciples, here's what's going to happen to Judas because he betrayed me? Who thinks Jesus should have said, hey, who else wants to jump off the ship right now? Because if we're flying, let's all go at the same time. Jesus does one thing. He shows us a discipline in his actions. 
I think it's amazing that Jesus gave thanks. He could have solved problems. He could have explained the story. But Jesus gives thanks. Not once, but twice. The second time, he's holding a cup, which he says what? This is the blood which will be poured out for the sins of many. So Jesus is holding a cup. What is he talking about right now? Knowing what was in that cup. God's will for his life, correct? And Jesus did what? He gave thanks. Now, if you continue, right after the meal, we see that Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying about this very will of God. Remember that? It says in Matthew 26 that Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death as he was praying about what he just gave thanks for. Does that seem peculiar to anybody but me right now? Like when I read it apart from this, it makes sense. Jesus gave thanks, he gave thanks, no big deal. Dude, his, his friend just betrayed him, and he's looking at the blood which will be poured out for the sins of many. In Luke 22, it says, Father, if you're willing, this is what Jesus was praying in the garden. Take this cup from me. What? You just gave thanks for that cup, Jesus. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. It says in verse 44, hear how bad this was. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus wrestling with the very will of God. Yet he modeled for me a life of giving You don't think that this same reality was in his heart when he was at the table with the disciples? You don't think that when he said, this is the blood that will be poured out for many, he didn't recognize that was his father's will and maybe not his will in that moment. Your will but not mine be done. Yet Jesus is teaching. I believe this is a teaching moment for us. He gave thanks. His thanksgiving wasn't dependent on what had happened. His thanksgiving wasn't dependent on what was going to happen. His thanksgiving was dependent on the plans and purposes of God. That was it. And so he positioned himself at that meal. And he gave thanks. Today I want to talk about Giving thanks. You know, in our society, I'm not going to point fingers. Some people rush to Christmas. I mean, seriously, go to Walmart. Like, Halloween costumes disappear and all of a sudden Christmas lights come up. Like, if all the holidays were in a room and they were sitting around, Thanksgiving's the dude that no one sees. Seriously, like, I mean, that's what happens. He's overlooked, he's, he's neglected, he's forgotten. He just sits in the back, and I think that's strategic. This morning I want to talk about the value of giving thanks. I want to talk about together there's something valuable when you give thanks. And I'm not 
If you let your Christmas tree up, great. Just give thanks around the Christmas tree. That's fine. Okay. So Thanksgiving still gets the peace. He still feels pretty neglected. I'll just say that. I, I don't want to get in that debate right now. Pastor should have known what worms he was opening up when he started that can. Culturally, we seem to overlook the practice of thanksgiving. It just seems to flow from one to the next. And I think this is Pastor's supposition. <laughs> There's something to that. I want to talk about this morning the value of thanksgiving. There's something of extreme value in your thanksgiving. Think about it. I'm going to read a story that, that doesn't make sense when it comes to thanksgiving. It's going to be in the book of Mark chapter 12. And I want to pray before I get there. But I'm going to read this story because I believe there's something valuable in us when we give thanks. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that we're in your house today and we can hear your voice. And we pray, God, for your anointing upon this place. We ask, God, that you would lead, guide, and direct, that you would help us to hear and understand, to know what you're speaking to us. God, in Jesus' name, we we yield ourselves unto you. We pray against distractions. And we ask, God, that you would help us to hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 12. Now, this doesn't seem like a Thanksgiving verse. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Treasury. Many rich people, they threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. This moment was so profound, Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, she put in everything, all she had to live on. I want to tell you there's a man value and there's a kingdom value. And what we see illustrated in this story is Jesus is highlighting kingdom value. It wasn't about the monetary amount It was about the heart position in which she gave. Now, I want to tell you that we can give unto God, and the scriptures say he's got the cattle on nine hills or whatever. I mean, he's got it all at his fingertips. He made the gold that you and I want to amass. And and so the reality is, when we give unto him, it's not necessarily something that he needs. He's wanting to see our hearts in that. Think about this. What about our thanksgiving? I propose that your thanksgiving is something that God can't make. I propose that your thanksgiving isn't something that God can produce. It's produced in you when you see what he's doing. And so much like this widow in her offering at this moment, I believe that our thanks, the the, the ability for us to give thanks unto God, is a valuable offering that many of us neglect to see. We don't recognize how truly valuable it is when we take a moment to acknowledge what God has done. When we take a moment to acknowledge who He is. 
and genuinely be grateful for what he's done. Jesus modeled for us this discipline. He showed us what this discipline looks like. In spite of what had happened or what was going to happen, he said, I need to take a moment and acknowledge my father. And he took bread and he broke it. But he gave thanks, acknowledging that God, you are good, acknowledging who God was, acknowledging God's plans and purposes. He took a cup that represented the sacrifice of himself, and he said, I want to give thanks in this moment. First Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, what is God's will? Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. In all circumstances. As a pastor, the, the $100 million question we get posed time and time again is, what's God's will for my life? I'm going to tell you this morning, I know what God's will for your life is. God's will for your life is that you would rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks. Huh? What about being like a missionary or a pastor or buying that house? God's will for your life is that you would rejoice always, Pray continually and give thanks. So why don't we just start there? We might find something else more profound, seemingly more profound in the flesh later, but if we can start with recognizing that God's very will, His purpose, the thing that He desires for you to be good at, the thing He desires to compel you, to drive you, is that you would have a a, a rejoicing spirit, that you would pray continually and you would give thanks in all circumstances. I love that He added that in all circumstances. Right? We're good at giving thanks when things are going well. In all circumstances, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. That is God's very will for your life. I want you to look at this because it's, it's also a sign for the unbeliever. Jesus literally, in First Thessalonians, but we know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. Look at how they're described. The characteristic of the unbelieving people, they'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents. Unthankful. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving. I mean, it just doesn't necessarily seem to fit. Like in all this line of things that people are doing wrong, they're blaspheming, they're they're, they're lovers of money, they're they're, they're just lovers of money, not money. Sorry, money. Gosh. Whew! We're all going to be in trouble if that's the case. That is not a sign of the unbelieving generation. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. What? Brutal. Unthankful? Despisers of the good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people, he says, turn away from them. God, God's will for your life is that you would give thanks. That just seems too easy. Well, let's just keep it simple right now. 
Let's not get to Christmas yet. Don't worry about why the Christmas lights aren't working. Let's just take a moment to give thanks. That's God's very will for your life. His desire is that we would give thanks. And I believe if we recognize the value of our thanks, we would be more inclined to give it. I'm not sure of the verse on this, so pastor's just going to go. You can receive it or you cannot receive it. That's fine. That's why I disclaim it, okay? I believe God is treasuring up our thanksgiving. I believe that it's so valuable to him that there's a special place that he stores our thanksgiving. I don't think we recognize that by giving thanks, that says authentic position of our hearts. Now, I don't believe that when Jesus gave thanks the Last Supper, he was just doing it because pastor told him to do it. It was a position of his heart where he was acknowledging that in spite of what had happened and in spite of what was coming, I'm still going to give thanks to God because of my relationship with him. And so he took bread and he took a cup and he gave thanks and his father looked at him and he saw a son who was genuinely demonstrating love to the father. And it was valuable. It was a priceless moment. We've all had kids. Some of us, I should say, have had kids or we've had nephews and nieces. And you know when a kid appreciates a gift and when a kid doesn't appreciate a gift. You know what I'm saying? You know when mom has said, go say thank you. And they run by and they say thank you and they run off. They're giving thanks. And you know when they look at you and you say, Grandma, that was awesome. When they jump up and down and squeal and whatever else. Because they're appreciative. There's value. In giving thanks. Colossians talks about this being a part of us. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Again, being a product of us. You're rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And you should be overflowing with thankfulness. Who would have described themselves this morning before we started church as overflowing with thankfulness? I'm glad that some of us would. Some of us were not at that place. I want to tell you that that's what God desires for your life. He desires that independent of your circumstances. And I know we've had a lot of circumstances. I know we've gone through a lot of situations. I know there's been betrayals and there's been denials and there's been death and there's been problems and there's been circumstances. But God's desire for you is that you would be overflowing with thankfulness. In whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do. That's not just when Walt sings a song that says, give thanks. When we sing about a good, good Father, it's whatever we do. We recognize the goodness of God where we are. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. 
I talked a few weeks ago about a, about a discipline of discernment. I think that the church needs an attitude of gratitude. And I think it's a discipline. I think it's a learning curve. I think that Jesus is modeling this because we're going to have to learn how to do with it. It is so natural for me at times to grumble and complain. It is so natural for me to focus on everything that's wrong rather than seeing the things that are right. My my DNA, my makeup, when I was a kid, if I took a test and I missed one, that's all I could see. And if someone told me, well, you did good, I said, no, I didn't because I missed that one. My wife just took a class for uh, teaching stuff, and, and she's emailing her professor back and forth, arguing about the question that she missed. Didn't matter if she got an A. All she was worried about was the one that she missed. I'm telling you, that's the way many of us live life. It doesn't matter the whole. What matters is the one thing that wrong that drives us. It controls our our tongue. It controls our thoughts. It controls our lives. We need to get into a position where we can give thanks. How do we do that? We have to think thankfully. You try and say that. Think thankfully. Who put this together anyway? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I'm trying not to sing this right now because my kids have this song from Kids Church. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And I love that he shows us how to think thankfully. He's not just saying, hey, don't be anxious, don't worry, pray with thanksgiving. But then he gives us an instruction. Here's what we should do, brother and sisters. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, 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 it doesn't say everything, It says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is the discipline of our mind. It doesn't say if anything was wrong, look for the correct answer. It doesn't say correct the professor. Tell God why he's judging you the wrong way. It says, if anything is excellent or or praiseworthy. If you can find anything in the midst of the chaos that is in your life, if you can find anything in the midst of the trials and tribulations that you're facing, that's what your mind needs to focus on. And I'm telling you, that's discipline. You look at someone who's struggling and you say, hey, don't be anxious. have to look for what's right. And I'm going to tell you what's right isn't going to be defined by this world. What's right is going to be defined by that cup of the new covenant that God shared with you last week. 
That's the eternal promises. That's the eternal plans of God for your life. The world we live in, it's brokenness. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. That shouldn't define our words. Think thankfully. Talk thankfully. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not His benefits. There's another verse that says, uh, sing or speak to, to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know, I mean, that's who we are. Our words, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. Huh? If there's not much gratitude coming from your mouth, there's probably not much gratitude in your heart. So you better start thinking about what is noble, what is pure, what is right, what is true, what is admirable, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. So that becomes what's coming from you. I know when I'm in a bad place because my mouth reveals it. It's the best litmus test for what's happening inside of me. And live thankfully. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We think, we talk, and we live. It's discipline. It's effort. But it's God's will for your life. And I want to tell you, God's will isn't always easy. God's will doesn't come naturally. Does that make sense? Just because we think it's God's will. I mean, again, I think that's why we wrestle with God's will so many times, because it's a hard road, a hard road to go, and so we say God must not be in that. His will isn't defined by the natural. His will is supernatural for your life. You guys can come forward. We're in a season of thanksgiving. If it should ever be easy to be reminded about Thanksgiving, it's in November. You've got an opportunity to cook a turkey this week. What reminds me of Thanksgiving more than the turkey? What are you doing? Your thanksgiving is of tremendous value to Him. Your thoughts, your words, and your life. Give thanks in every circumstance. Give thanks. Discovering what is good what is admirable, what is praiseworthy in these moments. Because that's God's will for your life. There aren't going to be too many Sundays where I stand up here and say, that's God's will. I will say it. You giving thanks is God's will for your life. So do it. Next Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays of the year.
The reason why I preach on Thanksgiving this week and not next week is because next week is an opportunity for us as a body to put this in place. And some people are saying, don't tell me this now, Pastor, I won't come. (laughs) It's God's will. Uh Uh-oh. That Sunday, what I like to do is just share with each other. And I'll tell you, there's something when we participate in a room full of thanksgiving. Sometimes I question God. I, I study and I, and I listen and I obey and I, and I try to preach what He wants and I see this profound movement of God in the midst of that service where we just share what we're thankful for. Because thanksgiving is valuable. And the only way I can describe that service is it's rich. It's rich because we're bringing what is valuable and we're sharing it with people we love. Your Thanksgiving table can be rich when you sit with your family. Your life can be rich when you drive to Walmart with your friend. It's the position of our heart in the words of our mouth. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for the example from Christ. One in which he showed us thanksgiving that wasn't dependent on circumstance. He modeled thanksgiving that that didn't come because everything was great and all was well. He modeled thanksgiving in the midst of, of some of his most challenging moments. God, I pray that we would be a people of thanksgiving. God, I pray that that, that as you're in this place this day, that as we reflect, as we think, we can recognize those things that are noble, those things that are trustworthy, those things that are pure. That we can see, God, what you're doing. And God, if our thoughts, if our, if our attitude, if the position of our heart has been governed by what's wrong, I pray, God, that this day they would be governed by what is right. That we could think about. That we could talk about. That we could live about. What's worth giving thanks. I thank you for it and in Jesus' name. This morning as, as we conclude the service, I just want you to resonate and, and just think. You know, we've talked a lot. We've we shared a lot. Honestly, a lot of worship was about giving gratitude. It was about being grateful. Just spend a, t- a moment thinking. Thinking about what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. The things that are excellent and praiseworthy in your life. The very promises of God that are yours. The assurance of your salvation. The the love that's been demonstrated to you through Jesus Christ dying on a cross so that your sins may be forgiven. The, The certainty of the place that God has prepared for you. The promise of the Spirit of God that He's placed inside of you. Whatever is pure. Whatever is noble excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. And as you think and speak, 
And then as you speak, then, then live. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you truly know the value of your thanksgiving. Amen? Be blessed.